verse 27 of Matthew 24. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even to the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn a parable of the fig tree, when its branch is yet tender, and put forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass, till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. May God bless the reading of His word. Let us pray. Blessed Father, as we bow in Your presence, I want to thank You and praise You for the word of God, for another opportunity Thy has given to preach Your holy word. Lord, I realize without You I can do nothing. So I pray, O oh God, that you would help me to be a blessing and be an encouragement to your people. If there be one lost, I pray for their salvation. And I pray, Lord, that our thoughts and minds may be turned toward thee today, clear our thoughts from all the cares of this life, and may our thoughts be centered on you and your soon return today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak to you on the subject, When Will Jesus Come? Well, even the title of that subject seems to contradict verse 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So don't expect me to set a day and an hour. I don't uh, plan to do that and don't believe that's possible. But in the same scripture, he says in verse 33, So likewise ye, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the door. So... He tells us that we can know when it is near, although we cannot know the day nor the hour. And I think the key there is when you see all these things. Now, if you read uh, the verses preceding this scripture in Matthew 24, he's talking about the tribulation period, which will last for seven years, and uh, the revelation when Jesus comes to set up his kingdom upon this earth. Now, uh, we know from the Scripture that there are two parts to the coming of the Lord. In fact, uh, the Apostle Paul revealed this in 1 Corinthians 15 where he said, I show you a mystery. A uh, mystery was a previously hidden truth now divinely revealed. Uh, there was not the understanding of the rapture that we have now in the Old Testament, of course, because the word rapture does not occur in the Bible, there are those who deny it. But if you don't want to use rapture, we'll call it the catching up. That word is there. We'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And uh, so Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 
where the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, uh, with the voice of the archangel, and uh, with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first, that we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now we learn from Daniel chapter 9 that there's a period of seven years that separate the rapture from the revelation. Uh, that uh, this is the time of Jacob's trouble, uh, the uh, Jeremiah talks about. And uh, we, we know it's seven years because there's seven years of the prophecy that God gave to Daniel, Daniel 9 that is yet to be fulfilled. God must be true to His Word, so that Scripture must be fulfilled. And it will be fulfilled between the rapture and the revelation. Now, this is the hope of believers. I want to speak to you about the rapture primarily today, although we'll refer to the revelation. In fact, the signs in the Bible relate to His revelation. The Jews require a sign. The rapture, we're to be ready for it at all times. But Titus 2.13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 5.4, But your brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. So even though we are not to set dates, and anybody that's ever tried that has always been wrong, uh, that uh, we can know that it is near. Now, when's he going to come? He will come when the fullness of time has come. Now, I do not believe Jesus will leave us here one minute longer than we're supposed to be here. And his first coming, Galatians 4 and verse 4, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Do you realize that Jesus Christ was born at the precise second foreordained of God for his coming the first time? He was right on schedule. And uh, as again, if you study Daniel chapter 9, the 69 weeks of years there be 483 years. And he said, From the going forth of the commandment to restore and, and build Jerusalem to Messiah the Prince will be this period of time, 62 weeks and, and 7 weeks of years there. Represent years if you study that out. And it was exactly 483 years from the going forth of the commandment in Nehemiah 2 verse 1 by Xerxes uh, until Jesus offered himself as the king of Israel on what we call Palm Sunday uh, was 483 years to the exact day. One thing about God, he's never late. He's always on time. So the Bible said the fullness of the time was come. There was a time for Jesus to be born and come into the world. You know, after Adam and Eve had sinned, uh, Eve said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. I believe she thought that she had uh, conceived the Messiah. And yet it was uh, about 4,000 years before he came. But he was not late. He was right on time. Now it may seem 
that the Lord is late and that he's not coming, but he'll be here on schedule. Hebrews 10, 37, For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. You know, there's a phrase that I hear people use and I hear preachers particularly use quite often that I think they ought to stop using. And uh, if the Lord tarries his coming, we'll be here tonight. If the Lord tarries his coming, we'll be here next week. I want to say to you, the Lord's not going to tarry his coming. You know, someone wrote a song years ago, Wait a Little Longer, Please Jesus. Uh, I don't like that song because I think it's unscriptural. And I realize the writer probably had a concern maybe for loved ones that were lost, and that's always a concern when we think of our loved ones yet unsaved, that uh, we'd say, Lord, don't come today. They need to get saved. And they ought to, certainly I, uh, that's a, a great concern. But he will not wait. When the time for the Lord's return arrives, he will come. And nothing will stop that. Nothing will stop that. And some say, well, there's, uh, you know, there's, uh, this must happen, these must get saved and all. But the Bible said, he will come and will not tarry. Now in 2 Peter chapter 3, a scripture that relates to the coming of the Lord, in verse 8 and 9, we've shared this many times before, but he said, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now why has the Lord waited? Uh, not tarried, but why has it been this long since the Lord uh, went back to heaven. Well, he's, he's given us this long period of time uh, for two reasons. Uh, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, there's no reason for people being lost. They can be saved. And then there's another reason, and that is he must fulfill Scripture. You, you notice if you study the life of our Lord when he was upon this earth, that uh, over and over it would say this was done that the scripture might be fulfilled. God has bound himself to his own word. He can never violate what he has written. And so he's given this scripture here in 2 Peter and if you study it in the context, he's talking about the return of the Lord. The second coming, he said they'd come scoffers saying, where's the promise of his coming? All things continue as they were. And he gives this scripture that one day is with the Lord. He's not slack, he says, uh, and uh, concerned his promise. But one day is with the Lord's a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Now the Lord created the earth in six days and rested the seventh. Uh, some believe those days were could have been uh, thousands, even millions of years. Well, that's foolish. 
uh, it talks about an evening and a morning. It was a literal day. And God could have done it all in one day. Do you believe that? All they had to do is speak the word. He said, let there be light, and there was light. How long does that take? You know, let the dry land appear. Let the, let the sun, the stars and all, let that appear. Uh, you know, and, and the, the plant life, and the animal life. How long does it take you to read Genesis 1 and 2? That's all they had to do, right? The worlds were framed by the word of God. All they had to do is speak it into being. You say it took millions of years for him to do that. Uh, he could have done it all in less than a day, less than an hour. Why did he take six days? For a reason. And why did he rest the seventh? Uh, was God tired? He done it in six days to teach us spiritual truth. I believe that God's dealing with man and his plan of redemption and his plan for eternity will last 6,000 years. Now it was approximately 4,000 years, give or take four or five years, depending on whose chronology you study, from the creation of Adam to the coming of Christ. And from the coming of Christ until now, by our calendar, is 1994. And I think our calendar is probably all sun. It may or may not be, but it's probably not off that much. So if one day is the Lord's a thousand years, a thousand years is one day, then you've got four days from the creation of Adam to the coming of Christ, and then from the coming of Christ until now is two more days almost, and then you've got a thousand years when Christ will reign upon this earth. There's your 7,000 years and your seven days. Now, uh, the, Lord, uh, the Lord illustrated this further uh, in, uh, uh, in Hosea 6 and verse 1 and 2. He says, Come and let us return to the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Now that is, uh, that of course did not happen in, in, in literal uh, 24 hour days. Israel is still dispersed in the most part. And yet the prophet said, after two days he'll revive us. In the third day he'll raise us up and we'll live in his sight. And that is going to literally happen in the millennial reign of Christ. How long would it last? Two days are 2,000 years. Then in Matthew 17, if you'll look there, please. Matthew 17. And I want you to see the last verse, of verse of chapter 16, verse 28. Matthew 16, 28. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, is any of them alive? Has the Lord set up his kingdom? Anybody seen uh, uh, Peter and James and John around anywhere? Are they all dead? Kingdom isn't here yet. But the Lord said there are going to be some of you 
that will not die until the Lord comes. In his kingdom, that means to reign. Notice the verse chapter 17, after six days. Why do he wait six days? Why didn't he say five or seven or three? After six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, bringing them up into a high mountain apart, was transfigured before them. His face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, talking with them. He's looking forward to the coming kingdom. It's a picture of Christ establishing his kingdom and reigning. He waits for six days. If one day is the Lord's a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day, how many thousand years would that compare to? 6,000 years. How long has it been since the creation of Adam till now? 6,000 years, plus or minus, I don't think it's plus. We're probably on the minus sign. If we weren't on the minus sign, we'd already be gone. So when will the Lord come? He'll come when the fullness of the time has come. Now in Romans eleven twenty-five. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Now, we are in that time, and the fullness of the Gentiles brings on the second point. When will he come? When the church is completed. And he talks about this fullness of the Gentiles in Romans 11 and verse 25. I want you to turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Verse 37, page 1123. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Now some... Uh, get heavy in, the, uh, uh, you know, in Calvinism when they read these scriptures. All is referring to the church, the body in general. And him is specific. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. All the church will be complete. Not one will be missing. Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. This is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Again, it referring to the body, and this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now verse 39 said he would lose nothing. The church will be complete. Not one will be missing. Everybody that's been saved by the grace of God will be a part of that, uh, of that catching up when the Lord comes. Now, verse 44, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, uh, the church will be complete. All the church is going in the rapture. I was listening to the radio program I was getting ready to go somewhere here uh, uh, maybe three or four weeks ago. And this fellow's talking about uh, uh, going through the tribulation. And the church had to be purified. The church is already purified. 
uh, it's already washed and clean. We don't have to endure anything. Our faith is in Jesus Christ, not in something we do. And the church will be complete. Everybody that's saved, every member of the church that's saved will go in the rapture. Uh, it will not be a split rapture. There, there are those who believe that, uh, uh, that if you're ready, uh, when the Lord comes, that if you're ready, you'll go. And if you're not ready, you'll have to go through the tribulation to be, get that cleaned out of you. Well, that's works. Is all that is. That doctrine's based on works. Are we trusting Christ? Are we trusting what we do? See, that's the question. What am I depending on to get me to heaven? What I do or what Christ did? I'm depending on what he did and nothing else. I mean, I've been preaching all these years and I'm not depending on any of that to get me to heaven. Uh, none of it. It's all Christ. And so he's their hope. And when the church is completed, he knows when the last soul is saved that'll make up the church, he's coming. You say, well, won't that delay is coming if that person is, hes is uh, hesitant about getting saved? <laughs> Don't you think God knows all that from the beginning? He knows if they're hesitant or not. He knows all that. He knows exactly when the church will be complete. And he's coming. When the fullness of the Gentiles, he said there that blindness in part is, uh, is happened to Israel uh, until the fullness of the Gentiles may come in. Now the fullness of the Gentiles and the times of the Gentiles are two different things. The times of the Gentiles is the time when Gentiles have lorded over Jerusalem. And that started back with Babylon in the book of Daniel. The fullness of the Gentiles is the time that Israel is blinded and set aside for the church to come in. And this is the age we're in, the church age, the day of grace. So they're two different things. Not all of that, when will he come? Uh, in the days of the apostasy. 2 Thessalonians 2.3 says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, Except they come a fallen, except there come a fallen away first. Apostasy. Have you ever heard of a time when there was so much false doctrine? And it seems that uh, uh, that all you know. I think of all these uh, new versions of the Bible. If the Bible is so is so bad and so full of mistakes. If that argument is true, then why not just correct the mistakes and produce something that's supposed to be right? But you got the American Standard Version and the New American Standard Version. Well, isn't that strange? Uh, you know, if the American Standard Version corrected everything's wrong, why do you need a new one, a new American Standard Version? And the Revised Standard Version and... And uh, the New King James Version. And, and uh, the Living Bible. And good news, some other man. And on and on it goes. Seemingly no end to it. And no matter how hard they try, they just can't get it right. Seemingly. 
Well, the problem is they're trying to mess with something that's already right. <laughs> you know, that's the problem. It's already right. But uh, this is simply a, 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 an illustration of, of apostates who, who deny the faith and uh, who turn away from the truth. Now I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And uh, we'll read a few verses there. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1. Now this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now you can just read this and uh, let me know if, if uh, this applies. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, Fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. You think that uh, speaks of our day or not? I think it speaks very well. God said this is the time that it would be and they would uh, uh, turn away their ears. In chapter 4, uh, he tells Timothy, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts. Shall they heap to themselves teachers having each in ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Apostasy. Turning away from the truth. Rejecting the truth. And listen to a, a fairy tale. The average person that goes to church wants to be entertained. They don't want to hear the word of God. I want to feel good. I want to go out. I want to go out in the world. And I want to live as I please. And when I come to church, I don't want to feel guilty about it. I want to be entertained. Things that are going on in church today would have been unheard of 50 years ago or even 10 or 20 years ago, things that pastors are doing and churches are doing. It's no more than an entertainment program to, uh, to make the carnal flesh feel good. Apostasy. The Lord is coming in this time. Revelation chapter 3 talks about it for me or Scripture. The church at Laodicea. God says, you're lukewarm, you make me sick. Basically, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. You're neither cold nor hot. I would you were cold or hot, but you're lukewarm. And because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thy wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Would to God we could see ourselves through the eyes of the Lord today. You want to see yourself as God sees you? Get in the Word. You'll find a true picture there. 
talks about it's like a glass. We behold uh, in, uh, in, in a glass, in a mirror. You look in the mirror and you see what you really are. That mirror reveals it, doesn't it? It reveals the, the true you. You know, pictures sometimes, these photographers, it's, it's kind of amazing. They can really make you look better than you are, than you really look. <laughs> but that mirror, you look in the mirror and it tells the true story, doesn't it? You say, oh my, a little paint here and a little paint there. And, and uh, cover this up and smooth this out. And, and it reveals you as you really are. Kind of like Abraham Lincoln, you know, they, they were, he had a pronounced ward on his face, as you know. And, and uh, the, the painter was, was painting a picture of, of uh, Abraham Lincoln. And, and uh, he was trying to turn him at an angle where the wart wouldn't show. He said, paint it just like it is, wart and all. And, uh, but uh, we're living in an apostate time and we, we don't see ourselves as we really are in the eyes of a holy God. Jesus is coming. The fact that, we live, that we're in a day such as we are uh, is evidence that the Lord's soon coming. Then not only that, but He's uh, coming before the tribulation begins. In Revelation chapter 3, and verse 10, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. The Philadelphia church represents the true believer. And the Lord has promised to those his true church, not just the, the pretenders, but those that are real. I'll not put you in the tribulation. And by the way, Daniel chapter 9 tells us, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. The tribulation, and Jeremiah said it's a time of Jacob's trouble. The tribulation has nothing to do with the church. I mean nothing. It has to do with Israel. So we'll not be going through that time of God's judgment upon an unbelieving world. He's going to take us out. Then finally, when is he coming? Back to our text in Matthew 24. I believe the Lord is coming in this generation. Now he gives the parable uh, of the fig tree here uh, in uh, verse 32 through 34. Let me read it again. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. And of course some, like in Luke 16, they say, well, that's a parable. It's not a parable to start with. But if it was, Jesus never taught an untruth in a parable. Even when he gave a story, it was to illustrate spiritual truth. And so this is a parable, and he's given it to teach us a lesson. Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when you should see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Now, uh, the fig tree, if you study the Bible, represents Israel. Joel 1 verse 7. Also the story there, the account where 
Jesus cursed the fig trees, a picture of Israel. And it's used to represent Israel. And he gives this parable, the fig tree, putting the leaves out. You know, it's summer, it's close. We can see that, of course, in the springtime. And he said, when you see all these things, and he makes a statement, this generation shall not pass. Well, again, they all died, and the Lord has not come. So he could not have been talking to that literal generation. Now the common belief of this scripture is well the Jew. He didn't say the Jewish nation or the Jewish people. Uh, it's not what my Bible says. Uh, and that's a common interpretation of writers on this that he's talking about the, the Jewish nation has been preserved as a people. He didn't say that. He said this generation. And one generation comes and they die and another generation takes their place. But he said this generation will not pass till all these things be fulfilled. The only, the only thing he could have been talking about as I understand it is uh, the generation that sees the fig tree bud will not pass till all these things be fulfilled. The generation that's alive, I believe the fig tree budded in 1948. And uh, Israel became a nation. And I don't think there's any denying the fact that, that uh, there's been some unusual things happen to them to preserve their, you know, that nation. Uh, you just think of all the trouble in my lifetime, all the problems they've had and the, the, the Arabs that they've had to fight. I was, I was uh, observing a, uh, a program. Uh, they, they were talking about uh, airplanes. And anyway, they were talking about the Six-Day War in 1967 where Israel destroyed the, the air forces of three Arab nations. They, I don't think they got a plane off the ground. And they showed some pictures of it, and it was, it was uh, uh, unbelievable, uh, the destruction. And they said it was the greatest use of, of aircraft, the greatest destruction brought about by, uh, by aircraft in, in history. And it was the deciding factor in, in that war. And this amazing things happened in, in, in that war along with, with, with a lot of the other battles that they've had to fight. And I don't think there's any question that there's something, there's some power that's preserving them. And I don't think it's the United States. I believe there's a God that's got his hand upon the nation of Israel. And uh, this generation will not pass away until the Lord returns. And uh, you know... This generation is, uh, is moving on. Now, that doesn't mean that every single person, every human being in this generation will be alive. Just like the Lord said, there'll be some that won't taste of death till they see the Son of Man come in His kingdom. Not everybody, but some that won't. And I believe there's some in this generation that will be alive. I believe that we ought to expect Him 
any moment. How close is it? Maybe today. Won't that be wonderful? Maybe tomorrow. But uh, perhaps today, I can't remember who it was. Always that was his trademark, perhaps today. Maybe it was Dr. Dehon. But uh, uh, that ought to be what we're looking for. He's coming soon. And uh, we say, well, the coming of the Lord could be thousands of years. I, uh, I don't believe so. It may be years. It may be hours. Maybe moments before he returns. Well, what should we be doing? First John two twenty eight says, "And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him." At his coming. First John 3 3 said, Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. If the Lord come today, first of all, are you ready? Are you saved? I told you this story different times, but I want to share it because it's on my mind. When I was pastor in Maiden, we had. Uh, a girl in the church was a member of the church. And she came to me and was kind of terrified and related an experience. She uh, lived beside a railroad track, not very far from a railroad track. She had a small child. Uh, in fact, it was just a few months old, the baby. And... Uh, she was awakened during the night or kind of, you know, halfway awake. And, and uh, she, in her mind, she thought the trump of God has sounded. And I'm left. What had literally happened is the train whistle blown, blown but she, uh, you know, she didn't identify it, kind of being asleep and didn't realize what had happened. In her mind, this is the coming of the Lord. And she said, I went to uh, the crib to see if the baby is still there. And I believe there's people sitting in church all across this country. If it came down to the actual, literal coming of the Lord, they'd be just about like her. Now one of these days, folks, it's going to happen. It's going to literally happen and if you're saved you're going you're going if you're saved and if you're not saved you're not a going are you saved this morning and then if you are saved if you come would you be ashamed could you look him in the face in all of his glory Say, Lord, I've done my best. It's good to see you. Kind of like, you know, when, when I've been a good boy, I was pleased to see my dad come home, but when I, 
When I hadn't been so good, my mom would say, I'm going to tell your dad when he gets home. I didn't want to see him. I dreaded seeing him come. And they're going to be believers. They're going to dread that judgment seat so much. The Bible said they'd be ashamed, not be ashamed before him that is coming. Think of that. To come into the Lord, and what an exciting, glorious, wonderful event that is, and really not be happy about it, but to be ashamed. He said if we have this hope, we ought to try to purify ourselves. If we're expecting Him to come, we ought to live right. Spire heads, please.